Welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post. I'm your host, Jalen Rose. This week's theme is don't predict the future, create the future. Featuring political analyst, Anna Navarro. Let's go. Welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jalen Rose. I appreciate the continued support. Tell a friend to tell a friend to check out the Renaissance Man every Thursday. Anywhere you download podcasts, Spotify, Apple, make sure you type in Renaissance Man, Jalen Rose, New York Post. Go to YouTube, check out the clips, leave a five-star rating. Who you want to see on the show? Today's theme is don't predict the future, create the future. I've been looking around a lot lately at what's going on in the world. And although it's still a lot going on and it can be overwhelming, I've actually been seeing some changes. Things seem like they're starting to look up. It seemed like we were in a really dark period in 2020. And there were times where I wasn't sure what the future would look like. But all of the actions I've seen people take from marching, protesting in the street against police brutality and taking steps to get vaccinated to protect others is starting to work. There was a guilty plea in the Derek Chauvin murder trial in the George Floyd case. The CDC announced they've seen a significant drop in U.S. COVID cases this week. A record number of winners at the 2021 Oscars were people of color because people demanded inclusivity from the Academy of, of Motion Pictures. We did that. The little actions we take over the years are bigger than we think. And although it can seem like we're moving in circles, we're actually spiraling upwards towards the future for the generations ahead of us. Our guest today is political analyst Anna Navarro. And coming up, we talk about the future she saw growing up in Miami, how she got into politics, and her transition into covering pop culture. Up next, Anna Navarro. Welcome to this week's Renaissance Man podcast and column. Like I told you, I'm gonna bring you some of my favorite voices, personalities, and multimedia, politics and entertainment. Today is one of my all-time favorite. And I told her this when I got a chance to meet her, the first lady of Miami, Anna Navarro. Thank you for joining me. Well, are we gonna tell them what you were wearing? When when we met, we <laughs> tell him you were in a bathrobe and a straw hat and uh, flip flops with socks. Uh, By the way, this was not in a bedroom. This is not Charlie Rose. This is not Harvey Weinstein. He was actually broadcasting his show. You know, you that gotta be careful was clearly about what you say. That was clearly my day job. You see now it's professional. I look like I'm in an art studio. I got a haircut. I got on frames. I got you on the show. I had to step my game up. 
You're looking good. That's mutual. So I must ask you, what are some of your favorite memories or traditions growing up? Um, well, you know, let me tell you, I lived in Nicaragua until I was eight years old, came here because there was a communist revolution and I had a pretty gilded uh, childhood, interrupted by a civil war and a communist revolution and then uh, came to, um, you know, came to exile, settled in, in Miami. And so what are one of some of my favorite memories? Um, I think I love Thanksgiving more than anything. Mm -hmm. uh, first, because I think it's the best food of any mm -hmm. holiday and the most food of any holiday. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, I didn't even, I thought it was a saint. I thought Americans were celebrating some sort of saint that I'd never heard about. Saint Gibbon, you know, because uh, right. it and it's and I and the reason I love it so much is because it is a uniquely American holiday. You don't yes. celebrate Thanksgiving in Nicaragua. You don't celebrate it in England. You don't celebrate it in you celebrate it in uh, in America, in the United States. And so I think when you finally understand what Thanksgiving is, uh, it's it's uh, it's really significant. It's really meaningful. It's one of my favorites, too, because we also get a chance to fellowship with those that we love, share potluck dishes, and not expect it to exchange gifts. Right. Not like on birthdays, like on Christmas, people are expected to buy, purchase, and exchange gifts. Now, let me ask you this, because let me tell you. So uh, Hispanics have made Thanksgiving their own, right? Like... A Thanksgiving in Miami uh, invariably has black beans mm. and plantains. Mm. And oftentimes the turkey gets covered in bacon so that it tastes like pork. Mm. You know, why eat turkey when you can eat pork? <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, man. So my favorite is deep fried turkey. Oh. Well done. Just is my favorite. In now, particular, are you, can you actually do it? I can't physically deep fry or make it Cajun just yet. I uh, cook, but not that well. What the hell is the, the point of having long ass arms if you can't use it to fry? I'm getting cooking. challenged. Yes, yes, yes. I need to step my game up. You're exactly right. And here's another thing I must admit about my halfway cooking since you called me out. I make chicken. I make ribs. I make whatever. But I don't really make sides. <laughs> so you're right. I got to step it up. Okay. When you come to Miami, I'm going to give you some cooking lessons just Done. on sides. But it's your job to fry a turkey. Because done. it's something that I don't expect to get done in my house unless uh, somebody like you with long arms comes over. <laughs> my husband is so accident prone. I would love to take lessons. Absolutely. Right. How did you get started in the politics? You know, um, I think that when, so I think we all are who we are, plus mm -hmm. our experiences, our life experiences. My life experience, as I told you, included fleeing uh, 
the home country I was born in because of a revolution. And I think um, when that happens so early on in life, you go one of two ways. Either you want nothing to do with politics or you realize uh, how much politics matters, how much democracy matters, how much being engaged and informed and involved mm -hmm. matters, and you don't take it for, for granted. And so for me, it was the latter. And I live in this community in Miami, which is a highly political and politicized community. It's, uh, it's one where there's a constant influx of waves of immigrants, whether it be Cuban Americans or Nicaraguans, there are a lot of Colombians and Venezuelans, Mm -hmm. uh, now Haitians. And so it's this melting pot of recent arrival immigrants fleeing political strife and persecution. And, and I think you, you know, I grew up with that as a, as a background. And um, I started like, uh, like, like you often start uh, in politics when, you know, when you're not like the child of a politician um, mm -hmm. and get something handed to you. I, um, you know, like Ivanka Trump, I started uh, volunteering in campaigns, <laughs> right? <laughs> volunteering in campaigns and um, licking envelopes and making phone calls. That was back in the days when there was actual phone phones, you know, we're talking the, uh, the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then I got involved in some local campaigns, some federal campaigns, statewide campaigns for Jeb Bush, who was running for uh, governor, uh, and you know we became friends. Um, and that my, I guess the culmination for me was being part of the uh, presidential campaign mm -hmm. for John McCain. That's that's the big leagues, right? That's like the world championship of uh, of politics when you are involved in a in a presidential campaign and. Um, and I loved John McCain. He was a mentor and a hero. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's that's how I got involved. And then after the McCain campaign, Jalen, I, um, I kept getting called by networks to be on. Mm -hmm. And one day I realized this is really taking up a lot of time and energy and preparation and, and they need to pay me. And I think <laughs> it's a lesson for us all, right? Because so often, Look, Preach. people, people will, let, will get, you know, as long as people can get you to do things for free, they will. <laughs> and so uh, I asked, uh, you know, I said, you guys got to pay me. And to my shock, they did. And that's <laughs> opened up a bunch of other opportunities and other platforms and uh, things I'm doing now. I'm glad you went there because your intellect and your voice is what helped me craft the theme for this episode. And it's called, Don't Predict the Future, Create the Future. What do you see in your future? You know, there's a, there's a bunch of, uh, and you know, I'm superstitious as shit, so I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm a superstitious as fact, and don't think that I'm gonna spill the beans. That the contract is already signed. Right. And they've already paid you the first payment. And it's dry. <laughs> the ink is dry. Um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different projects uh, that I'm working on. Um, really, you know, I think it's more. Uh, it's about for for me now. It's 
what happens post-Trump, right? For anybody involved in the political field, Trump has been the elephant in the room, figuratively and literally, for uh, the white elephant, orange elephant in the room, for, for the last four years. And, um, and it feels different since, you know, in the last 70 days, it feels, I can go, I can go hours now without, uh, you know, looking at, uh, at, at the news or looking at Twitter without feeling that if I, you know, without having separation anxiety from my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, but as you know, I, I, your, your theme of not predicting the future, creating the future, I, I give a lot of speeches in colleges and many, many other places. And I really like speaking at universities because I think it's really neat to be with, with really mm-hmm. smart young people. Yes. But uh, they always ask me, uh, how do you get on TV? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I think too often people want the shortest route from yes. point A to point B. Yes. And that invariably means you lose these amazing detours and so i think you you know as, as i don't try to predict the future i mean you know if i if you had asked me a year ago to predict the future none of us would have predicted the last year we've had um and so i've kind of learned my lesson on predicting the future i think what's important is to to have your eyes and ears open and your heart open and be very aware of the opportunities that may arise along the way. A lot of cities in America are seeing a cultural and economic are seeing cultural and economic shifts. How do you see Miami changing after well, the pandemic? My God, there are so many New Yorkers here. I I, I, I feel like I might finally yeah. be able to find a decent bagel. Uh, <laughs> The, you know, there, pizza. Oh man, I think uh, I think um, I, I do think that it's changed the demographics because a lot of people who lived in places like New York and uh, New Jersey and Connecticut up east realize, you know, that you can get more bang for your buck property-wise mm-hmm. uh, in Miami, and you know, why be uh, paying? thousands of dollars a month uh, to live in a uh, janitor's closet when mm-hmm. for about the same money in Miami, you might even be able to get a pool um, and be outdoors. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I think, I think uh, some of these changes of the pandemic are uh, here to stay. I think we're going to be doing much more remote work, all of us. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you've seen me. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do uh, <laughs> the day I have to put Spanx on again. I, I, they need to give me about three months notice <laughs> because right now I need Spanx to get into my Spanx. <laughs> and um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if the New Yorkers and the folks who've moved here recently, the, the, it's impossible. Real estate has become impossible for Miamians. Uh, and getting their kids into school and things like that has become very competitive. I don't know if they're going to stay. I want to see what happens once Broadway reopens, uh, mm-hmm. once, um, you know, the, once um, Marea and, uh, and the Central Park eateries reopen and, uh, and they see the size of the mosquitoes in Miami in, uh, in June and July and they, you know, they get their first 
hurricane alert on their phone. I want to see if, uh, if, if they're still here uh, next yes. or, or if, you know, if once uh, Broadway reopens and things get a little bit more normal, uh, they go back. That hurricane life is real Miami. Gotta have those shots. Spending a lot of time here. Yes, that's that that's that's real Miami life. And and I know what I wanted to also ask. So you're known in the world of politics, and, and I've seen you on various shows. And as I mentioned to you, I'm a fan of yours and your voice and and, and, and your range and versatility. But as a guest host on The View, you cover a multitude of topics. What is it like for you stepping into the area of pop culture and just the coworkers that you get a chance to work with each and every day? The pop culture thing for me is hard because I'm a political nerd. I live in a political bubble. <laughs> uh, and so a lot of times we have these you know, pretty big artists showing up and I got no idea who they are. And I have to go, you know, I have to go Google them and ask people how you pronounce their names. Uh, and I literally don't know what they've been in. And then, you know, and then the producers will go, oh, you know, she's the one that was in X, Y, or Z movie. Of course, I haven't seen X, Y, or Z movie. I really haven't started watching movies until last this last year, Stuck at Home. Um, you know, watching, uh, watching all sorts of things. So that part for me is hard and it stretches, uh, it stretches kind of my, um, my comfort zone. I, you know, there's, I mean, there, there's only so much I can come up to say about Kim Kardashian, even though, let me tell you something, I have enormous respect for anybody who can turn an ass into an asset. I really respect them. Enormous. Yes. Um, and so multiple billions. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of billions. And so that's that's hard. As far as uh, the folks I work there on the view, listen, can you imagine what it's like to wake up in the morning and work with somebody like Whoopi Goldberg? The you know legend. Egot. Egot. I tell people all the time, egot, you know. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony winner. Uh, and she's so wise and she's so uh, generous with her time and, and she's funny. Uh, and she's crazy but, sports fan too. Right. You, but you know, I'm not. So that's the <laughs> other thing that's hard for me. Like, you know, when we have to give Super Bowl predictions and I don't know who the hell's playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, I got so, you. I got you. you I got, got you. Can call you for that? Absolutely. People wanted me to fill out a March Madness bracket. I'm like, no. I got you. I got you. That's what friends are for. You talk so, to the great Miami restaurants. I fill out the brackets and things like that. I don't even believe in that because I get, you know, one time Isaiah Thomas filled one out for me. He's a very good friend of mine, as I told you. He's <laughs> almost like a brother, and his bracket sucked. Correct. It was like everyone does. He says it was the, <laughs> the only person that was that bad. <laughs> but you know, and then you got people like Joy Behar who are funny and who've been around so long and had so much institutional memory and such breadth of experience. I mean, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was raised in the projects. Whoopi, um, 
you know, has had ups and downs in her life and in her career. Joy was a, uh, she was a teacher. She, you know, her first job was as a, as a teacher, didn't start comedy and show business until much later in life. You know, Sonny Hostin, who brings so much, such a needed voice to the table right now, um, you know, talking about uh, racial equity or inequity, rather, mm-hmm. um, putting into perspective so many of the legal issues uh, we are watching mm-hmm. and not being afraid uh, to represent. You know, I think a lot of times when, um, when there's, you know, there's somebody who's black or brown or mm-hmm. Asian or, you know, whatever you, you know, fill in the blank um, on TV, people kind of, you know, some people want to want to put it down. Oh, it's identity politics. Oh, this and that. You know, no, no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I hope there comes a day when we don't feel the need, the, the, you know, the weight of having to represent, but when, uh, when people's necks are being stepped on for nine minutes and 29 seconds until they stop breathing, yes, when there is no equity in the workplace, when, uh, when, you know, when we see the things that we have seen, when, you know, somebody drives hours to hunt down uh, Latinos in a Walmart in El Paso because they are inspired and triggered by the words of a xenophobic leader, you better believe we have a duty and it's a privilege to, to be able to represent. So it's something that I think Sunny does with, with great, um, you know, with, with, with great grace, frankly. She does it with elegance and grace. Well said, and I totally agree. So much so, I'm gonna not only be honored to post this podcast, but I'm going to write a column about this interview in the New York Post, frame it and send it to you. I'm going to absolutely do so because it means so much that you took the time. But before I let you get out of here, I do a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. Are you ready, Anna? Dale. Let's get that's it. What, that's what Pitbull says. Dolly. <laughs> Your favorite <laughs> musical artist from Miami. Gloria Stefan. Legend. Miami athlete of all time. Well, I'm not counting LeBron James, okay? Because he left us. I agree. Okay. So I am going to go, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go with Alonso Mourning. I love that guy. And he's done so much for the community. He and, he and his ex-wife, Tracy. Yes, he's a, oh, I love those so very much as well. Ladies night, once everyone gets vaccinated, where are you going? Anywhere but my house. <laughs> I mean, I anywhere, I go anywhere where I can get served and somebody else can clean up the dishes. I am sick of making my own margaritas. Favorite restaurant in Miami? Oh, I love stone crabs. I go to Joe's when it's in season uh, a lot. I'm also lately, I've been going to this little place. Uh, it's in the, it's in a, uh, it's, it's kind of in the 
you know, it's in a, in a, in a neighborhood I wouldn't usually, yes. I, I never thought there would be this kind of restaurant. It's inside a museum, it's called Leku, and it's Basque. Mm. Jalen, it's so good, it's so good. You really gotta stop talking to me about food because I'm yes. trying to lose some damage because yes. I'm gonna have to get out of this house at some point. <laughs> And they're going this to show is about politics, fashion, travel. That's what this show is about. And finally, your most expensive purchase that you have zero regrets in buying. My husband. <laughs> I do it's a diva. I mean, shit. Some, I, I mean, he is, that man ain't cheap. I tell you, he's got. His closet is like if he was a basketball player. I tell him all the time, you are not an NBA coach, okay? There is no reason why you have these many suits. You're not Pat Riley. You're exposed No, you're not. You know, get a, uh, oh, hell no. Uh, listen, I, I make no apologies. I, I like to, I like, I like my Maserati and I like it a lot. I like, I like cars that make, I, that make, that go broom, you know, I, I um, so I, I bought an adult car at one point, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a sedan, one of these cars that's, you know, expensive leather sedan, all this thing, even it was like, even as it was like green, it was a sensible, <laughs> you know, color. And so I, uh, I, I bought this sedan that made no noise and was so comfortable. Mm. You couldn't even feel that you were driving. I, I didn't know when the thing was on or the thing was off. It was a spaceship. And you can't make- <laughs> Close you can't the door, make, you can't hear. You can't make a dramatic exit. You know, you can't get pissed off and peel away. Uh, so, so I went back to the sports cars. Road rage isn't the same without a sports car. And you work so very hard. You deserve all of the best. Thank you very Thank much you. for joining me. It's an honor to have you on. Last call. Last, Last call. call. Thanks to our guest, Anna Navarro, for stopping by the show. Anna says something during our conversation that really stuck with me. And it speaks to our theme of creating your own future. She talked about realizing the value she was providing networks and demanding to be paid. And once she started making money from simply Using her voice, it completely changed her career trajectory. We all need to take inventory in our talents and figure out where we are being undervalued. Some game can be given out for free to help others. However, those that have the means to compensate you for your time, voice, and experience, like big businesses, conferences, universities, in the words of Rihanna, pay me what you owe me. In life, we don't get what we deserve. We get what we have the leverage to negotiate. Your life and how you spend your time is one big investment into your future. Your knowledge and expertise has monetary value. Find out how to use what you have to get what you want. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.